You are a Locked On Braves postcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And hello and welcome into the Braves postcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. Grant McCauley, Jake Mastriani with you after a much better night of baseball for the Atlanta Braves. A nice tight one-run game. And, of course, the Braves played a little long ball to get it all done. And it was two men who have been absolutely red hot in the month of August that helped the Braves to do it. It was Eddie Rosario, the National League's reigning player of the week. And that guy, Marcelo Zuna, who all he has done is hit in the month of August. We'll talk about them, the start for Bryce Elder, some good work out of the bullpen, and get you set up for the finale of the series when Charlie Morton goes against the Mets in Game 3. Before we do any of that, though, I want to remind you to subscribe to Locked On Sports Atlanta here on YouTube. Click that bell. You'll get notified every time we drop a new episode. Make sure that you leave us a like, a comment, share it with a friend, all those good things to help the show grow. And be sure to subscribe to Locked On Braves wherever you get your podcast. Jake, the Braves have won a lot of different games, more than any other team in baseball this year. They've done it in a lot of different ways. Typically, the home run is involved. It was again tonight, but a pretty well-pitched game. And those home runs, well, they came in the clutch. They did, and a good win for the Braves. Maybe didn't play their best game, but hey, you still got to find a way to win. They made the plays. They made the pitches when they need to to get it done, and that's what's most important here. Yeah, and this is a team that you and I have talked about probably not even 24 hours ago. It's not one guy on one night that has to get it done every single time. There are different guys in this lineup that can go deep, that can come up with that big hit, that can pick up maybe the bigger names at times who aren't able to deliver those big hits just on demand. It doesn't really work that way. Baseball is a tough game. Don't know if you've heard that before, but uh, you've heard it here now. Game number 125 of the season for the Braves. They're now 81-44 and as they beat the Mets and even up this series to game apiece. Three runs, nine hits, no errors, 11 men left on base for the Braves. Mets are now 59-68, and two runs, just five hits, an error, six men left aboard for them. Bryce Elder pitched into the sixth inning, picks up the win. He's now 10-4. and Had to grind it out tonight, but I thought it was overall a good performance, a good step for him as he continues to try to get himself right down the stretch. Tyler McGill takes a loss. He's 7-7. Seven and seven. Rysel Iglesias ran into a little trouble and then ran his way right out of it for his 25th save. Two hours, 52 minutes was the time of game. 36,841 on hand to see it at Truist Park. Uh, let's start with Bryce Elder. Then we'll get to the tag team champions of Atlanta, which is Marcelo Zuna and Eddie Rosario, if you're curious. Uh, Bryce Elder, what do you think of him tonight? I felt like, you know, he had to grind through that fourth inning, but being able to deal with that kind of pressure, I think is nothing but a good thing for a young starting pitcher trying to complete his first full year in rotation with a big league club. You thought it was another solid start from Bryce Elder, certainly not one of his best, but you're talking about working into the sixth inning, only allowing two runs and one hit. I mean, I think you'll take that from somebody who's probably your fourth starter in a rotation and was really good early on. The first three innings was kind of cruising. Pitch count was, you know, really manageable. And then it really was that fourth inning and things just kind of unraveled on him. I I wonder how much those pitch clock violations really bother a pitcher. He had a pitch clock violation that actually ended up in a walk of Lindor. And then to me, it just looked like he was speeding up his mechanics a little bit after that. You heard him say Mm -hmm. a couple of times that maybe he couldn't see the pitch clock. Again, I I feel like I've seen it several times this year where a pitcher's got in that violation and then things just kind of seem to unravel on him, whether it gets in their head. Look, you got to get over that and you got to move past it. It's part of the game now, but it it did end up being a very tough inning for him to battle through. And he started missing in location a lot more. Like I said, it looked to me like he was speeding things up a little bit and he's going through the heart of the 
order for a second time as well. So that all kind of played into it, but he did. He battled. He, he made the pitches that he needed to to get out of that jam. So I think you got to give him a lot of credit there. Was able to come, uh, you know, get through the fifth as well and then start that sixth inning, uh, you know, gave up the leadoff double there. But I think that was the right time to pull him out as well because, like I said, that fourth inning I think took a lot out of him. 30-pitch inning, mm-hmm. really just had to work there. But, again, the big thing, as you said, he was able to have that moment and he was able to work through it. And that's going to be huge for Bryce Elder going forward, knowing whatever, maybe mental hurdles, whatever was going on there that he can work through those. And he's able to get through again, the heart of the Mets lineup one more time. Yeah. And I feel like he's a tough enough pitcher mentally that like, that's not really a question mark for him. Now pitch execution, being able to, you know, dot the corners the way that he needs to clearly that kind of thing wasn't really working as well as he wanted it to in that fourth inning as well. It was a lot of pitches that he threw a lot of foul balls from the Mets. I'm sure you've heard that part of the story before. That's just something that they seem to do. But you're right. It was automatic ball four on the pitch clock violation as well. It's not like, okay, well, I was ahead one and two, and now I got to deal with a 2-2 count. That, I think, really stuck in his craw. And it's hard to get over that kind of thing, I would imagine. But he was able to get through, leave the bases loaded in that fourth inning with some clutch pitching. Braves scored just enough runs to give him a comfortable lead to work with. And then uh, ultimately, the only runs that came across for the Mets on a Dan Vogelbach home run that came against Pierce Johnson. So one run charge to Elder, the other belongs to Pierce Johnson, who I guess is human after all, because he had not allowed an earned run until that Vogelbach home run that made it a little bit closer than you might have wanted it to be on a night where the Braves offense was not clicking on all cylinders. But for Bryce Elder, five and a third innings, two hits, one run, did have the three walks, one of them on a pitch clock violation and three strikeouts. He needed 33 pitches to work his way through that fourth, but he got there on a 90-pitch night for him. And let me tell you, I can confirm I was at Truist Park. It was extremely hot, extremely humid, and I'm sure that Bryce Elder and just about every other pitcher in the majors that has to roll on through Atlanta will be very happy to be pitching in much cooler weather. But we are not there right now, and it was a hot, humid night. Uh, Let's talk about the Braves' offense. It was Eddie Rosario who put the Braves on the board. A big two-run homer. Marcel Ozuna got on in front of him. Three-hit night for Marcel. Two more hits for Eddie Rosario. His 20th home run of the year, Jake. Seven Braves. Now with 20 or more home runs, that is a franchise record, and that's the kind of thing you don't see too terribly often. But we've been seeing it a lot lately from Eddie Rosario and from Marcel Ozuna, who hit home run number 27 of the season in this game as well. Yeah, it's crazy what these two guys are doing. I mean, it's almost rinse and repeat when we're talking about the offense every night with what these guys are doing. I mean, their their batting average combined in August is almost 200 points higher than what it was combined in July. I mean, you know that these guys are going to have their hot and cold streaks, and we say it all the time. When they're hot like this, mm-hmm. they're capable of carrying a team. And It's really been those two guys for a week and a half now that have really – you know, I don't want to say carried the lineup. There's other guys in here contributing, but it seems like they're always right there in the middle of it in the Braves scoring here of late. So, again, if we, say, if we say it every night. It's just what this offense can do to you when you got players batting fifth and sixth, and they can somewhat do this for you uh, on a week, you know, two-week basis like this. So it's just truly incredible, the hot and cold streaks for these two and just the run that they're on right now. Yeah, and it's been a great run for both of these guys and extremely well-timed. I mean, if you could pick, and a, a time that you needed a couple of guys to step up when, you know, Austin Riley's cooled off some, Matt Olson has cooled off a bit as well. I mean, you look at the two through four hitters in the lineup, 0 for 13 with five strikeouts in this game. Then you've got Marcelo Zuna and Eddie Rosario stepping right up, creating their own rallies and bringing themselves on across the plate. Ron Lacuna Jr. was on base three times, stole two bases. 
He was left on base, though, each of those times. Nicky Lopez had a couple of hits out of the nine spots. So the bottom and, and the top of the order were doing the thing that we usually see, even though it was Michael Harris batting second instead of ninth. But a tough day for Harris, a tough day again for Austin Riley and for Matt Olson, who just weren't able to come through with those big hits. But this offense is about more than just one or two hitters. It is the sum of the parts that makes it uh, a whole lot of, of serious firepower for an opposing pitcher to deal with because you just can't take a hitter off because that quickly a couple of runs could go up on the board. Uh, as I mentioned, Ronald Acuna Jr., two hits and a walk, stole two bases, now has 58 stolen bases on the season. Jakey just continues to run and a couple of home runs away from the 30-50 club, but by the time he gets there, he might be joining the 30-60 club, which is something nobody has ever done in Major League Baseball history. Yeah, it's truly incredible what he's doing. I thought he was going to get a home run that lasted bad. You saw him a ground rule double. You could see him going around the bases there, asking to get a little bit more lift on that ball. He absolutely smoked it, as he typically does. So, yeah, he's doing incredible things. And this lineup, top to bottom, yes, they didn't produce tonight. Over 9 with runners in scoring position. Really tough night for Michael Harris there at the top of the order, going over 5, not coming up on his bobblehead night in a couple of clutch situations, which typically that's not the case on a bobblehead night. But still, Everybody in the lineup had a hard hit ball except for Orlando Orsi, and he walked in this game. So a little bit of bad luck in there as well. Had some lineouts, one by Darno uh, that I can think of as well. I know Riley had a good hard hit ball late in the game as well. But this offense, you know, is going to get going. It's, you know, scuffling a little bit right now based on their high standards, but mm -hmm. still able to get the runs needed, able to get those home run balls uh, to get the win. Yeah, Darno, a couple of hard-hit balls, a diving play by Brandon Nimmo. Not sure the dive was necessary. Also took Nimmo all the way back to the center field wall straight away. Uh, if if um, Darno gets there, he would be, what, the 10th different Brave to reach double-digit home runs? And I would imagine over the next, what, 37 games that are remaining, Travis Darno will have an opportunity to do just that. Uh, let's talk about the bullpen for a moment. I mentioned Pierce Johnson came in, did give up that two-run homer. Uh, to Daniel Vogelbach, but Joe Jimenez with another scoreless frame. He looked electric. A couple of strikeouts for him. A.J. Minter, a scoreless eighth. Rysel Iglesias ran into trouble, a walk and a base hit. The Mets were threatening in a one-run game, but a bouncer to third. I thought Austin Riley did a terrific job getting that ball, getting the third base, throwing across, and that helped to really put out that fire for that potential Mets rally in the ninth inning as Rysel was able to close the door on save number 25. Yeah, big, one of the biggest plays of the game, if not the biggest right there. I mean, that is not an easy play. It's a short hop, kind of an in-between hop. Riley had to backhand it, step on the bag, and a good decision to go to first there. I saw mm -hmm. some people on Twitter saying he should have gone to second. You watch the replay of that. The runner at second is almost already there by the time he steps on the bag. So a good decision there to just go to first to get the easy out there and get the double play. So huge play there by Riley, who may be slumping at the play a little bit, but that was uh, just a big play in that game that, again, may have saved it for them. Pierce Johnson gave the home run to Vogelbach. He's got some good power. Michael Harris just missed robbing that as it just squeaked out there. But then he strikes out Alonzo, strikes out the next batter after that as well to get out of there and keep it a one-run game. Jimenez breezed through his inning. And I thought this was one of the better outings from Mentor that we've seen since he came back. I know he gave up the hit to McNeil. McNeil's going to get his singles slapping the ball the other way, but he, that's just what yeah. he's going to do. But a 10-pitch outing. For Minter, again, I thought it was one of the sharpest outings we've seen from him since coming back. So a little bit of rough there for Iglesias in the ninth. But like I said, Riley with the big play to kind of bail him out. Definitely was. Two things. Number one, Austin Riley, I do agree with you. I think he made the right play. I mean, the short hop was the difficult part, getting to third base. But then you can go to first. That's the play that's in front of you. You start trying to turn, throw across your body, you know, reset, whatever it is. 
Maybe you don't get that out at second, like you pointed out, and then you're certainly not going to get it over to first in time. So smart play by Austin Riley, good play by him. We talked about this after the loss on Monday that the Braves bullpen really got an assist from Colin McHugh, three and a third innings of scoreless baseball. That allows you, Jake, to not feel like you can't use the guys that we used tonight that, that you saw Brian Snitker use in this game on in game two and in game three if you need because you got an off day waiting for you on Thursday. So that really helped reset this bullpen, and the Braves were able to go through some of the arms that I think we're going to be seeing quite a lot of down the stretch. And if the Braves go deep into October, I can't imagine that you're not going to see big innings from Pierce Johnson, Joe Jimenez, A.J. Minter, and Rysel Iglesias. Yeah, this is the formula right now. That's why, you know, really kind of watched, liked watching this game play out because offense really didn't have it, and he needed to really rely on your bullpen, your back end, to hold a close lead late. And I think it is going to be that Jimenez, Mentor, Iglesias, and then, you know, Pierce Johnson, Kirby Yates probably going to get some looks there too. I know he had a rough one the other day, but been really good lately. I think those are your core guys right now. Maybe Jesse Chavez coming back. Uh, Dylan Lee, yep. and maybe Nick Anderson, others as well. But I think right now that's your core group. And I think the McHugh outing you talked about, that's why you're able to pull Bryce Selder out of there maybe a little bit earlier than you wanted to and go to Pierce Johnson because you did have that bullpen rested, ready to go. So I thought that was big in this one to have that one run lead night. The offense really couldn't push much else across and you got you were able to hold on to that one run lead with the bullpen late. Great to see. Yeah, you talked about a hitless with runners in scoring position. But the two home runs for the Braves, that was enough offense to get things uh, you know, lined up for this bullpen to do what it has done for much of this year. I, I get a lot of commentary on social media that I read, a, a good majority of it, maybe more than I should. This is not a bad bullpen. I'm here to tell you that. You look across all 30 teams in baseball, not to just you know begin with pointing out where the Braves rank in terms of bullpen ERAs, which is at or near the top, and they've been there for a while. They're not going to throw all zeros all the time, but I think you pointed it out. This is a pretty good formula that they've got going, and they have the opportunity for this group to get a little bit better, a little bit deeper as they get some guys back in the mix like Dylan Lee, like Jesse Chavez. I think Brad Hand can throw better than he has of late. That could still be an important third left-hander in that bullpen. That component is something the Braves were definitely interested in in bringing a veteran like that over. But uh, we'll put all that off to the side. The bullpen did its job on this night, and the Braves picked up a victory that evened up this series at a game apiece. Uh, we'll talk about Game 3 in just a moment, but I want to let you know that this episode of the Braves Postcast is brought to you by Game Time, and Game Time is the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly where uh, you'll be when you arrive. You buy those tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email for those. Snag those tickets without the stress at Game Time. You download the Game Time app, create an account, use that code Locked On MLB. You'll get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Create that account and redeem the code locked on MLB for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Uh, if you're looking for last minute tickets to the finale at Truist Park of this homestand, it might be a good day to see the Braves go for a series victory over the Mets yet again. Charlie Morton on the mound. He is 12 and 10, has looked better of late, particularly in his start against the Yankees. Jose Quintana, the lefty, will be on the hill. For the New York Mets, he's one in four on the season. Uh, obviously, these two teams very familiar with one another from playing a series up at City Field last week. But for Charlie Morton, maybe looking for a five or six shutout innings against the Mets without the seven walks. 
Yeah, definitely want to see that. Last time out, just one walk and 10 strikeouts. That's certainly the performance we're looking for. So hopefully we get more of that from Charlie Morton on Wednesday. And then Jose Quintana started the year injured, but since coming back, he has been fantastic for the Mets. He's gone at least six innings, given up three earned or less in his last five outings. So he's been a really good pitcher for the Mets. So it could be a tough task for this offense who – Again, by their standards, kind of struggling a little bit right now at the plate. But more importantly, I think for the Braves and that pitching staff is seeing Charlie Morton get on a run here, get that command, that control over his pitches, limit those walks, keep the ball in the yard, and have just a good start for Charlie Morton here down the stretch. Yeah, and if he does that, the Braves have a very good chance to win a baseball game, and they'll try to get the offense cranked up against Quintana, who you mentioned has been kind of a quality start machine of late for the Mets. And they have played a little bit better, honestly, of late, and Quintana has been one of the reasons why. The Braves would very much like to take this series because they're going to head out on the road with a very long road trip out west awaiting them. But uh, they'd like to take a little momentum out there with them. We'll see if Charlie Morton can help deliver a good start for that. He's gunning for win number 13 on the year as he faces Quintana. First pitch is set for 7.20 p.m. Eastern time at Truist Park. That brings us to the end of this edition of the Braves postcast. As always, make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Sports Atlanta on YouTube and Locked On Braves wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, your final score of a Braves win, 3-2 to two over the Mets. We'll be back at you to wrap up this series on Wednesday. For Jake Mastriani, I'm Grant McCauley. We will talk to you soon. And until then, so long, everyone. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. D.C. Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked on Yankees. Locked on Mariners. Locked on Mets. Locked on Angels. And you're listening to Locked on Braves. Locked on Braves. Locked on Braves. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. 